Are we all here to celebrate God this morning? Amen. All right, well, wake up and get energized. A uh, few announcements. Just want to welcome. Do we have any visitors? I know we have a couple back here in the back. Thank you for coming. And another in the back over there. Oh, there you are. You moved up front. Okay. Um, well, we welcome any visitors that are here this morning. And also, if you're joining us online for the first time, we welcome you. I'd like to encourage you to go to our website. There are connection cards there. If you could fill those out, just help us get to know you a little bit better and uh, stay in touch with you. Um, if you have any communication that you would like to do, you can send emails to our main email at office at lakegibsonumc.com. And if you have something specific for Pastor Anthony, you can send that to pastor at lakegibsonumc.com. And as always, we'd love to hear your voice. If you want to give us a call, 863-858-5431. The office will be closed tomorrow in celebration of Independence Day. Uh, want to remind you, if you'd like to attend uh, Miss Sue's Sunday School class via Zoom, you can do that on Sunday mornings at 915. And then if you would like to come in person, we would love to see you. John Bernat and I have a Sunday school class in the main part of the FLC at 915. And Ms. Sue's class is in classrooms one and two. So please join us for uh, some Sunday school. The Zoom Bible study will not be held this week, but will resume on July 14th at one o'clock. They are going to be picking up in Philippians chapter one, verse one. And that will be led by Pastor Anthony. Next Sunday is Harvest Sunday, so please bring in any canned goods and other non-perishable foods that could benefit our food pantry. The biggest needs is canned soup and pasta and sauce. So that the second Sunday of every month is our Harvest Sunday. So just as a reminder, please bring in any canned goods or non-perishable goods that can help supplement our pantry. And... There are some prayer request cards if you have prayers and praises. If you're here in the sanctuary, please fill those out so that we can pass those off to the prayer warriors. And if you're at home, please send those prayers and praises to Christy so she can get those typed up. So at this point now, are you going to do the prayers and praises now or are we going to sing? You're going to praise Be together in the house of the Lord. Can you hear me now? Good. I'm on that Verizon commercial. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it is so good to be together this morning. And uh, we want to start our time together with praises and with prayer requests. And I'd like to start with praises. Now, as we look towards July 4th tomorrow, uh, any of you who served in any of our military branches uh, or for our country, would you please stand? We'd love to recognize you. Amen. Recognize you, but praise God for you. I mean, seriously, we gather to lift you up in prayer and in joy that you showed grace like Christ showed grace, that you all were willing to lay your lives on the line in so many different ways giving yourself for the rest of us, of uh, your time, your, your energy. Uh, it's not exactly the highest paying career, friends, for those of you who don't know, um, but, but your lives as well. And we seriously are thankful for that, and we thank God 
for each and every one of you this morning. Any other um, praises? Mike's got a mic. He's ready to go. <laughs> Good. About a month or so ago, I asked for prayers for my brother in Ohio who was having a very hard time. In fact, he had called me the night before I came to church and said he was saying goodbye because he wasn't going to make it through the night. I called him the next day, and he did make it through the night, and I told him one day at a time. Yeah. We went up and visited him, and he was doing okay. I called him yesterday, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm good. That's awesome. That's amazing. It is. And they had to move him to a bigger room in his nursing home because he has so many visitors. <laughs> Amen. So glad to hear it. David? Uh been a rough week, but he saw a victory. Uh, Monday night, we took my mom to the hospital. She generally sits back here. And uh, she had, a, I don't know what the technical thing is. She only had like a number three on her blood level. It's supposed to be 11. And uh, so we got her there in time. And uh, it's just so wonderful to see what God has done. And she's eating oatmeal and scrambled eggs this morning. That is awesome. All right. Amen. We are so thankful for that. It's not a prayer. That's what we're doing. Okay. Well, my sister called me Thursday and said, checking in with you Friday, I have to have rotator cuff surgery. So okay. she had rotator cuff surgery on Friday. And I just ask for healing prayers for her. Amen. Yeah. Shoulder surgery like that takes a lot of healing, a lot of time. Keep her in our prayers. We also want to keep Miss Catherine in our prayers. Uh, it is amazing to see what God has done and is doing in her and healing her and bringing life and love and energy through her. Uh, particularly, I saw with your family, um, I think just a lot of reminiscing and thinking together about all that God has done in and through their lives in the past. And so, um, but we continue to pray for her, that God heals her. Um, we continue to pray for Phyllis Kitchens, who is still very much healing. It's, it's a long process, um, and, and it's a long road ahead. Uh, so just keep her in your prayers. Pray God will fill them with both his peace and love and joy, even in uh, a dark time, in dark process. And um, we're still praying for Miss Linda, that her uh, doctors will all get on the same page um, as she looks towards uh, healing and surgery that will be a part of that. But just pray that God works in and through the hearts of her doctors, keeps them connected, gives them wisdom, uh, and that he'll work even in frustrating circumstances. 
Any other? Uh, oh, I have a couple right here. What am I talking about? Miss Sharon Coddington uh, fell and broke her nose, which is extremely painful, uh, as well as her right hand. So let's keep her in prayer. Uh, goodness gracious. And then Ethel's granddaughter, Jessica, is also facing some serious health problems. So if you'll just write down those names, keep them in your heart and your prayers. God does amazing and mighty things when God's people pray, friends. I've seen it. I know you all have seen it. So let's take up our role and embrace it. Uh, let's pray also for Cindy Webb. She's having a procedure on July 11th, so soon. So <laughs> let's pray. Pray for good results. Pray for good results. Thank you, Christy. All right, friends, let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we do, again, just praise you for the chance to be here together, for the chance to be your people in your house, for the beauty of creation that you have surrounded us with, and for the amazing nation that we live in, God. We thank you that we have this chance to gather and act, profess our faith, and go out and serve in the name of your kingdom, holy God. We lift up these names these lives, people to you, God, and pray that you will pour your life and your healing and your peace into all of these names that we have mentioned together, into their families, and into those who maybe weren't mentioned, God. Those who maybe are worshiping with us virtually, who need your, your presence, your touch. And I pray also, uh, not only, God, do we call you to act, but I pray that you will move us to act as your people, God. Place those uh, on our mind and hearts that maybe we need to call or reach out to, stop by and talk to. God, you know the hearts and minds of your people, of our neighbors, and we pray that you will work in mighty and powerful ways through us and beyond us to bring healing and life and love, God. And so now, we pray together as your Son and our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, friends. Let's sing together now. Good morning. And happy Independence Day. Again, good morning, church. And now, as we gather together, let us gather and open our hearts and minds to the word of Jesus Christ. Again, that our imaginations and our ways of seeing the world, our frames for making sense of the world, might be shaped by God's word. This morning, we will read together from the book of Ephesians, 
chapter 1, verse 15, to chapter 2, verse 7. Now I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love towards all the saints. And so for this reason, I never stop giving thanks for you. As I remember you in my prayers, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation as you come to know him more, so that with the eyes of your heart opened up to God's light, you might perceive what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for all of us who believe, a power he worked according to his great might. God put this very same power to work in the King Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named in this age and also in the age to come. Yes, my friends, God has put all things under Jesus' feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all things in every way. So, where do you come into this? Well, you should know that you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. That was the path you all used to travel, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is even now at work among those who are still disobedient. In fact, that's how we all used to behave. Conditioned by our physical desires, we used to do what our flesh and our minds were urging us to do. With what result? We too were subject to wrath in our natural state, just like everyone else. But God. God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Yes, friends, you are saved by sheer grace. God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in King Jesus. God did this so that in the ages to come, he might demonstrate the immeasurable riches of his grace, the kindness which he has shown us in King Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Friends, I never get tired of the book of Ephesians. Paul is so beautiful and masterful in how he describes the work that God has done in Jesus and what that means for us, God's people, the church. After Paul's lengthy praise in which he blesses God and, and pays attention, he examines God's narrative of salvation, God's pursuit of us that's taken place throughout history. He covers all that in just a short hop from verses 1 to 14. 
Now with verse 15, Paul shifts to a prayer for the church. A prayer that revolves around God's unfathomable power and God's rich, unending grace for us. And Paul prays that we, the church, might just come to know and understand, wrap our minds and hearts around the glorious riches of the hope and the inheritance that God calls us all to. A work accomplished in God's power and because of God's grace. Paul holds those two together throughout this entire section of the letter. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love towards all the saints, I do not stop giving thanks for you. And I ask that the God of our Father, the God of Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, might enlighten you, fill you with a spirit of understanding and revelation. Open the eyes of your hearts so you can see what God has called us to. But Paul doesn't just pray that we know God more fully. He doesn't just say, oh, church, I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in you to show you everything you need to know. Amen. That would be easy, right? I pray that I have more knowledge all the time. <laughs> Paul prays that God will open our eyes and hearts, and then Paul tells us. He goes on to instruct us in that very hope and the inheritance to which we have been called. He shows us how God's magnificent power works out and enables God's grace-filled mission, a mission to save, redeem, and rescue the world. I think the core thread, the core claim of this passage is that God has worked his awesome power in Jesus, raising him from the dead, exalting him to reign over all spiritual and political authorities. And friends, that is an amazing claim. But Paul always presses forward. God does all of this so that he might begin to right the world through the church the body of Christ, those of us who share in Christ's power, Christ's accomplishments, and Christ's very identity, even here and now in our brokenness. So this morning, I'm going to try and streamline a very beautiful and a richly complex passage. I want to focus on this central thread and ask three questions together. Who is Christ, according to Paul here? Who are we, the church, and what's our place in Christ then? And how in the world does all of this matter? I want to um, step into thinking about who Jesus is, because the whole New Testament resonates with this claim that we can't know who we are if we don't know who Jesus Christ is. And so again, I want to read this short hymn that Paul gives us in, in Colossians. And this is a hymn that you can read over and over again as you read Ephesians, because Ephesians is almost a book that unpacks and teaches this hymn. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says of Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 
He is very much the firstborn of all creation because by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all of it. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And he is before all things. And so in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent. And I want you to pay attention to this part, folks. Because Paul says that in Jesus, all the fullness of God, all the fullness of an immortal, all-powerful, expansive God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, the fullness of God reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Friends, Paul tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh, but not just a man filled by the Spirit, not just a man specially touched and moved above all the rest of us who seek to follow God, The fullness of God dwelled in Jesus, and it didn't just dwell in Jesus, it changed us through Jesus. The fullness of God through Jesus reconciles the world, recreates, binds us back together, and creates peace through the suffering of our Lord. And because of this, God's action through Jesus, Jesus' obedience to go to a cross to undo the powers of sin and death that enslaved us and overran us. Because of this, Paul in Ephesians says, and that's not where God stopped. Colossians gets us as far as the cross, and Paul picks up there in verse 19 of Ephesians, as he says, and so what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us, those of us who believed? Well, it's the same power he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, when he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all other rules and powers and names, and he put all things under Jesus' feet, gave him his head over all things to the church. The fullness of God dwelled in and worked through Jesus. Jesus as the Son of God who met us and stepped alongside us and picked up our burdens with us. And so God has exalted him to rule over all of creation. Jesus is our King, folks. I celebrate with all of you this morning a beautiful and amazing nation we live within. A nation within which we have freedoms untold compared to so many different nations and empires throughout history and even now. All because of the sacrifice of our friends and our families who have sacrificed their time and their lives for us. But folks... I celebrate that even as I know and I say to you all, we are not first and foremost Americans or Brazilians or Europeans 
or any way, name, culture, society you can come up with, friends. We are members of the kingdom of God, of Jesus. And Paul calls us to that. He knows, right? He knows that it's so easy for us in our daily lives to miss that truth, to get off track. And he calls us to celebrate and worship and fall down before the king who is crowned with many crowns. But friends, it gets even wilder because Paul keeps pressing forward. He says that we, those who put our faith in Jesus, the church, we're intimately bound to this king. Now, Paul's not making this up on his own, right? This is said throughout the New Testament, that those who believe in Jesus have a close, intimate connection with him. In John chapter 1, John, John frames it as uh, we're God's children. He says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He makes these same claims as Colossians. All things were made through him. And that word, as light and life, broke into our world. And we, the world, Jesus' people, who he comes to as Messiah, all rejected him. But John doesn't stop there. He says, but to each of you who does receive him, To each who believes in his name, he gives the right to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are God's children. We're grafted into a family. A beautiful image, a beautiful truth. But, friends, Paul presses us beyond even that. Paul says you are wedded, united. You, my friends, complete Jesus. Jesus, as the head of the church, calls us to be his body in the world. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We fill out Jesus as his body. We are as close, as united. We, we, Paul identifies the church with Jesus. And if you, if you don't believe me, skip ahead a little bit to verse 4. But God, a beautiful claim in scripture, We'll sit together with next week. But God, despite our brokenness, our sin, our selfishness, God, with his, in his rich mercy, because of his great love, even when we were dead, God made us alive together with Christ. God raised us up with him. God seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places. Paul doesn't just say, you're God's family. You are. You are God's family, friends. But Paul presses beyond that to say, I need you to realize the power, the the might, the grace of God that flows in and through you. Because the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, who has now seated him at his right hand in the heavens and put all things under his feet, he's done the same for you. 
Paul's very careful in his language. Paul doesn't say, and that same God, because of his love, will raise you up, will give you new life, will exalt you, and will seat you beside him. He doesn't say, that's going to happen one day, friends. Look forward to it. Get excited. Anticipate it. He uses all past tense verbs. Paul has raised you with Christ. He's exalted you with Christ. He's seated you with Christ. Friends, the church is tied up with Christ. The beauty and excitement of Paul's claim here is that what we proclaim to be true of Jesus, the whole church throughout history together in the Apostles' Creed, you might remember with me, the third day Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That same claim about Jesus is also true of us, the church, the people of God. What's the primary marker of God's people? The people of this new society and new creation that God's creating? It's not primarily, as surprising as this might seem, that we all get together and we praise and worship Jesus. That's an important part. But according to Paul, it's not the primary marker of our place in Christ, of our identity as the church. It's not that we all agree to a set collection of shared theology or dogma or or rules. It's not even that we primarily all live by certain moral standards. Those things are all a part of being in Christ. But according to Paul, the primary marker, the strangest thing, the mark of God's power and the mystery of God's grace in creating us is that we are a people who share in complete and total union with Christ. We are a people remade in Christ. And Paul uses that short little phrase, in Christ or in him, over and over again in this letter. We find then... What Paul's trying to work out of us, we find our identity and our reality in Jesus alone. So that we now, right now, at this very moment, share in Jesus' resurrection to new life, his ascension to dwell with God, his enthronement over the powers of sin and death, Satan, and even our own selfishness. Christ is exalted and seated us above those powers that we were captive and enslaved to. We were dead, but Paul says, God made us truly alive with Christ. We were enslaved to sin, to death, but Paul says we have been exalted and enthroned in Jesus. So much so, that he presses this claim just a little bit further. He says, you are the church, his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in all ways. Or he puts it another way, a little bit further on in chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, according to the riches of his glory. Paul can't stop just praising God for this. I pray that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, my friends, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth 
and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Jesus that surpasses all understanding. And it's this last little line that he tags on that picks up that same claim that we're working with in chapter 2. I pray that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't think it's so easy to miss how radical Paul's prayer is here. Paul is saying the same God, the same fullness that filled and worked in mighty and beautiful and unanticipatable ways in Jesus. Paul says, I pray that you, church, might be filled with that same fullness of God to serve and change and transform and recreate the world in those same ways. So often in the church, we doubt what God can do in and through us. It's so easy to focus on the negative parts of our lives, the negative parts of our church life, the ways that we seem to be failing. And Paul prays that we will open our eyes and see the power and life of Christ that is ready to work in and through us. So, what's it matter? Cool. We're united with Christ. Good to know. I believe in him. I share in his identity. Well, for one thing, Paul says it matters because a church united, a church in this mystical union with Christ, that church is a sign of God to the world around us. He says it in verse 7 of chapter 2. And God did this so that in the coming days he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, the kindness that he's worked toward us in Jesus. You, church, when you take up your role as Jesus' hands and feet in this world, you are a signpost to what God is doing and who is truly king of all things. Paul says it again in chapter 3. He likes to repeat things to make sure you don't miss them. In chapter 3, he says it this way. Look, my friends, to me, though I'm the very least of all, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And that plan, he's, re- he's referencing us back to chapter 1, verse 10. In the fullness of time, God's going to unite all things in heaven and earth in Christ. I've been able to preach that mystery of the God who created all things, and I do this so that through the church, the manifold and multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known. Made known to the rulers, the powers, the principalities, and the authorities. On heaven and on earth, friends, the church is like a beacon for the might and the power and the truth and the life, the glory and the grace of God in this world. Paul puts it another way in Corinthians. He says directly, you're not just a sign to the world in your lives, friends. You are a beacon. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now look, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away. Look, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, my friends, in Christ, God reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses anymore, 
entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And so you all, we all, are ambassadors of Christ. God makes his appeal through us. You are God's appeal, God's cry, God's calling to the world to join in the new life and the beauty that Jesus Christ provides. And so, Paul invites us together, church, to live lives of new creation, to live lives marked and characterized by love, to live as Jesus in the world. Paul marks this when he says to the the Ephesians, for this reason, because I've heard of your wonderful faith and your love towards all the saints. Faith and love are held together for Paul. As Paul rejoices over the church, he shows us that faith and love are the only true responses to God's power and grace in our lives. It is impossible to be in Christ and not find oneself drawn both to God in trust and faith and to one another, to God's people in love. And to all of God's people, by the way, Paul doesn't leave any qualifiers or distinctions in there when he talks about showing God's love to the world. All of God's people without distinctions based in race or culture or national identity, even creed or theology. An ancient church father, Chrysostom, I wish I had a name that cool, put it this way. He said, Paul's celebration of the Ephesians' love for all of the people of God, that highlights the universal, the Catholic nature of their love, reaching well beyond the bounds of those in the local church, of the church in one area, or for us friends of a denomination or a camp or whatever way that we might want to cut ourselves up. This love should reach ultimately to all the world. As Jesus says in John chapter 13, a new command I have given you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In doing so, in in living out God's love and service, care and healing towards those we meet every day, Let us then be signs of Jesus. Let us be God's appeal to the world around us. It is through the church, his body, according to verse 23, that the fullness of Jesus fills all things in all ways. It's through the church, God's Christ's body, that this mystery, this plan in chapter 1, a plan to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven, and on earth, is accomplished. You are the body that continues Christ's work in the world. We are intimately connected to Jesus. We find our identity in Jesus alone, and so we owe our allegiance to this king and his mission alone. Jesus calls us to love and to transform the world through sharing the gospel. So we, the church, as the body of Christ, are called to be the means by which Jesus unites 
and fills the entire cosmos. We are the means by which Jesus reunites heaven and earth. And it's already been done in us, says Paul. The Spirit dwells in each one of you. So let us join our Savior and our King in realizing and making real His kingdom here and now, in our everyday lives, through and with the people that you see and meet, day in and day out. Those are the people God calls you to change and heal and love. Let's pray together, friends. Oh, loving and suffering King, we stand together in awe of what you have done for us, God. We can't grasp it. The abundant riches of your power and your grace poured out on us are overwhelming. We pray that you continue to transform our lives through your power, your grace, and your love. Show us, lead us, and guide us to be your body, your hands, and your feet. Show us how we might be those through whom you love and serve others. Those through whom you restore and recreate our world. God, we pray that you let our spirits and lives be one and in tune with you. Oh, Jesus. And let us be one in love with one another. In your name we pray. Amen. And now, friends, as those who share in our King's glorious resurrection and enthronement, as the body of Christ and the vessel of God's work to heal and recreate our world, we will share together as the body and blood of Christ in Holy Communion. And as Methodists, as those who believe that there is only one unified body of Jesus, and through this body, God's uniting all of creation, all of heaven and earth, we practice an open table. All who wish to join us and partake together of Jesus' body and blood to experience this awesome channel of grace in new life. Well, all we ask is that you seek Jesus and seek to follow him. You are free and welcome to join us. This morning, Mike and Rosita will be serving individual cups for those of you who would still prefer an individual cup with a wafer. Um, Emily and I will be serving bread and juice by intinction, a fancy word for dipping your bread in the juice. And I want you to know that if you're unable to line up at the altar, that's okay and good. Please remain seated, and we will come to you and serve you. So now, let us prepare to take from God's table together. As we stand, as you are able, and speak the great communion to one another. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to our Lord and God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 
It is right and a good and joyful thing, friends, always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty Father, creator of heaven and earth. You have made from one, you have made as one, every nation and people to live on all the face of the earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, joining their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you. And blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, God. Delivered us from slavery to sin and death. You made with us a new covenant by water and by the Spirit. Commissioned us to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of all nations. And today, his family and all the world joins together at his holy table. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, O God, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, O God, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. As we proclaim the mystery of our faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, God, and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with your church throughout the whole world. Strengthen it in every nation and among every people to witness faithfully to your name. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all of the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast together at his banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. I will ask Emily and Mike and Rosita if they will come up to accompany me.
like Mike and Rosita over on top of that. Excellent. Amen, friends. Well, now, as we close our time together and we turn to sing a hymn, a hymn that God might fill us up with his vision and lead us out into the world to love and proclaim the good news of his life and grace. Let's also think and pray together on how we might give to God's kingdom, how we might support the many ministries of this, your local church, or of the UMC more broadly. In just a brief week amongst you all, I have seen so many ways that you love and pour into the community. From the food pantry, that's open each and every Thursday, to sharing our space and utilities with other groups and churches and congregations, to our little piece of heaven, daycare and preschool. So friends, I invite you to respond to God's grace and power in transforming our lives by returning to God a portion of all the amazing blessings that he has been so generous with. You may give through offering plates located at the doors and back as you leave, or you may give online. There's a link on our main webpage for those of you who prefer to give that way or who are worshiping with us virtually. For any of you who would like to talk more about what it means to have faith and trust in Jesus, what it means to join Jesus' kingdom of life and new creation, please feel free to come talk to me during this hymn, after the service, or during the week. And I would love to spend some time speaking with you about what Jesus can and has and continues to do in the life of so many. Thank you, Bob. Lead us out. Our closing hymn this morning is Immortal Invi... Is that right? We got one... Should be five something, I think. I didn't bring my cheat sheet with me. <laughs> Four, five, one. Be thou my vision. Four fifty one, page four fifty one. Oh, I guess they don't have that up on the screen yet. How about this? Many crowns. Do we all have hymnals? Yes. Okay, very good. I'm happy with that. I don't. Let me see. Under chairs, hidden away in corners. Find a hymnal or a friend with a hymnal, and we'll close with Be Thou My Vision together. Okay, page 451 in our hymnals, Be Thou My Vision.
Indeed. So now, my fellow brothers and sisters in King Jesus, go forth blessed and sent by the Father, filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit and in perfect union with Jesus our King, to serve and to witness to the people who surround you day in and day out. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.